0: Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell.
1: All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Build Your Network podcast. Vitaly, thank you so much for joining me on today's show. It's my pleasure, Rick. Thank you. Yeah, really excited to chat with you. And I know your brand has really, it's really developed over time and, and you've become very well-rounded as a person. You talk about being an intellectual investor, you talk about, you know, all the mindset and lifestyle that goes with success. But talk to me a little bit about when you first got started in this world, what were you thinking about at that time? Because I can't imagine your, your worldview was as developed, you know, straight out of college, starting your business.
2: Oh my God, I'm a very different person than I was when I got out of school. I think I appreciate things very differently now than I did then. And this is a this silly story. I was 28 years old. For the previous eight or 10 years, every Friday night or Saturday night, we go out with my friends. And we go to the movies, just, just you know, like and When I got married, my wife really wanted us to kind of spend Friday night as a family. And I went to a friend of mine who was much older than me. And I said, listen, I'm like, I need to make this huge change. And he's, he said, Vitaly, what you value today is not the same things you're going to value tomorrow. In mm-hmm. other words, today, if you told me that you know every Friday, or Saturday night, I'll be going out, i would be saying, I don't want that. And now I want the life I have. I just mm-hmm. did not know that at the time. So, yeah, so that when I got out of college, I, you know, I really wanted to do investing. I Loved investing, and that was my passion. So and I was lucky because I kind of figured out what I wanted to do early in my life. And therefore, when you know that, when you have a passion early in your life, you can focus. And that's what mm. I did. And I i got my undergraduate degrees in finance, I got my CFA, and uh actually did all of those things kind of like graduate degree and CFA at the same time. But I could do this because I was young, I had a, a neglected girlfriend. So I had mm. the time to do this. If I had to do like get a CFA while working and getting graduate degree and, and getting graduate degree today. I couldn't do this yeah. just because, you know, life would get in the way. Um, and uh, then over time I became a, you know, I also became a CEO of IMA, hmm. like, you know, I became my portfolio manager first CIO and the CEO of, yeah. of IMA, you know, the firm around today. And a CEO also changed me a lot because one thing Warren Buffett said that being an investor made him a better, better businessman and being a businessman made him a better investor. Same thing can happen here. I think as I, as I got older and I became a CEO of MA, I, I started to appreciate the power of people because my firm is basically as good as its culture and its people. And that's something. So now when we analyze companies, I spend a lot of time, a lot of time not just looking at the financials, you know, return capital, et cetera, But also a lot of time thinking about the people, the culture, the incentives, etc. Right.
1: Yeah, that's what stood out to me about your brand is that there's a lot of people out there writing about investing or on TikTok doing, you know, three minute videos about how to invest in a company. And it's all very numbers focused. You know, it's it's what should you be looking at here or what numbers should you be trying to hit or how much should you invest here? And your brand is very much talking about culture, lifestyle, and the the business side of it. What made you first realize the importance of culture as opposed to just here's the hard numbers, here's the projections for this this company?
2: If I thought more about this, I probably could identify a company where that kind of that was like you know where we, where I realized oh this company you know people would make the difference. I'm sure there was a company like specific mm-hmm. story at the time. Yeah. I just can't you know, I can't think of it right now. But also, just like when you see, like I'll give you an example. You have like uh, you have a company where a CEO is a founder, and you have a company where a CEO is what I call a professional manager. In other words, he has the pedigree and he runs the company, etc. And such, mm-hmm. right? he's professional. And I find that people who are founder CEOs, kind own operator, they make decisions that are. They would very unlikely to make a decision that would maybe benefit short term, but sacrifice long term. For a professional CEO, because his tenure in the company is maybe five, five years, you know, maybe five years, maybe a little bit longer. Therefore, he'll be making decisions that will be maximizing his pay during the time of the company mm-hmm. and the problem he creates are going to be somebody else's, you know, somebody yeah. else's to do with. So, and I think I've seen it just, you know, like on a global level, i just seen this happen time and time again in investing and this is when i realized just like if um we own the company and they made an, and the company was run by a founder who owned 30% of the company mm-hmm. and they he he made it what it seemed like like a smart acquisition but he went too aggressive into that and they opened too many stores and they got into, into problems and i could see how when he realized he made a mistake and everybody will make mistakes at some point, how he worked very hard to fix that. He didn't just wash his hands and say, well, somebody, you know, and, you know, and I, and I think that's, that's extremely important. I like, so it's a very, when, when you, I I wrote this article called softer side of investing and, and the softer side is people. So when I, when I was, when I got out of school, going back to how I changed, I, the easiest thing to learn about investing is to, you know, the numbers. Right, because you can go back and say, "Oh, this company has return equity of fifteen percent for this loan. This company has valuation of this much." Because that is very easy to identify. What's more difficult to identify, because and that let's call it hard stuff, like the right. stuff that is very kind of black and white, very quantitative. The softer side is the people, the culture. That's something you get to appreciate probably when you make a lot of mistakes solely relying on the hard data. And I think that's like, if you, you know, so I'm kind of answering the early question, but that's probably the biggest change. if I look at myself from 15, 20 years ago, that's probably the biggest change in me.
1: Obviously you don't want to name names probably, but is, do you remember a time where the data looked amazing and you thought this is going to be the best investment ever? It's going to be so simple. It's going to grow really well. And then personality or a bad culture kind of sabotaged it.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, actually, yeah, I'm not gonna mention the company name, but the we own this company where CEO had a very good pedigree. And he has done a lot of network, like, he would buy a company merge with another one, and he would create a lot of value. And then, you know, and so I could look back on a few of his you know, past deals and they were very successful. With this company, he he merged two companies together and he was running the merged company. And the business, like the stock started to decline and the earnings kind of started to decline as well. Revenue started to decline and I couldn't figure out what's going on. And then he was fired. And then what I discovered in hindsight, this is kind of a great example. He was a good CEO where he, you know, he merges to companies, takes out costs, creates synergies and leaves. But he was not a good CEO when he does that and then stays. Because what happens and what he would, he basically did he only, he had one tool, which was cost cutting. And that cost cutting tool may work somewhat when you like in the once you merge the companies, but after that, it's actually, what he did was he would not allow to bring more people in, customer service suffered. The people start, you know, the uh, employees start to leave, customer service suffered more. And it took, and I could only see this in hindsight, like in this case, I could only see it in hindsight. To me, it was a lesson was, that a person who is good at turning around like merging companies, creating value through acquisitions, not necessarily the same person who would be running those companies after the merger. And uh, the way I learned that, we you know, read a lot of interviews with past employees mm-hmm. and suppliers. And we identified that the biggest mistake was that person was basically cutting costs too much and not, not reinvesting into the business he, because he was too short in focus, actually, in this case, yeah.
1: I'm curious before we pivot kind of back to you for, for those that are, you know, we've got a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to the show who, you know, they may be working with 10, 15 team members and getting ready to grow a little bit, or they may have one or two team members and they're, they're trying to grow their business slowly. And, you know, you mentioned in hindsight, you recognize these problems. And one thing I noticed is a lot of people who experience problems when they start a business don't realize the problems that they may be causing until way later down the road. In hindsight, once the business has failed, they go, oh, I should have handed this off to somebody or, oh, I should have hired someone to take this over. How can we, you know, because we're always blind to ourselves, right? How can we look at ourselves, audit ourselves and and identify problems before they happen within our own personalities, within our own kind of business preferences?
2: It's a very difficult question. I think the first of all, having self-awareness, also having some you know, kind of been humble and realized that, like the, think about this. I went to school and I started, you know, my 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 education is in finance, right? And investing. You are not really educated to be a CEO. CEO is one of those things where it's kind of trial by error yeah. you know, for the most part. And having self-awareness to realize, to actually look for the mistakes and realize that you will make mistakes and expect that. And one thing, I'm very open with my employees at MA. That I will make mistakes, and that like what I just told you that like I'm learning by making mistakes, mm-hmm. and I tell my employees this all the time. That if I make a mistake, I'm I'll admit that and I'll correct yeah. that. And I think that also one thing it does for them, it gives them, makes them less defensive when they make mistakes because mm-hmm. it's like uh they're, they're, this is a very old analogy, but when a plane leaves from Denver to Hawaii. You know, it's of if it's off course ninety-nine percent of the time, but it just makes small corrections. And it's just to if you're self-aware, you'll be making these corrections more often. And I think that's probably you know, that's how I try to do that. This episode
0: of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with If you need to hire, you need Indeed. You kind of cite, so you mentioned like
1: 2004 starting to write for the first time. Yeah, yes. know, I've seen you mention that that was a huge, maybe the most important thing that, that kind of changed the trajectory of, of your life. How did writing help with that self-awareness and help you start identifying who you are, who you need to be, and, and help you along that personal development journey?
2: So think about it. what happens to us is that we kind of go through life And like a lot of thoughts live in our heads Mm -hmm. and writing to me is a very focused meditation. It's a kind of, it's a very focused, you know, like I have a scatter, I'm a scatterbrain. I'm a kind of, I'm a creative person, which means I kind of can't really concentrate on the same thing for a long period of time, but writing allows to kind of to center and focus the creativity and also allows me to think about topics for longer period of time than other people do. Just think about it. I write about one or two hours a day. Let's say about two hours a day. So that means I think in a very like, and I do it daily. Like very few days when I don't do this. So I think you know for seven hundred something hours, like focused thinking for at least seven hundred hours a year, mm-hmm. and that is kind of like my you know superpower in the sense that I get to think through a lot of problems through writing and by mm-hmm. you know, and by the way a lot of writing is actually. Just staring at the screen with the cursor blinking and just have nothing to say. And you would look at this and you say there is no output. Well, what's happening, the subconscious is process, you know, mm-hmm. like it's processing your thoughts. So the so in other words, like let me just give you another analogy. You have conscious mind, subconscious mind. The writing allows you to basically connect your conscious mind and subconscious mind. So that's why writing was so important to me, because it's basically elevated my IQ from a low level to a little bit higher just (laughs) so. Yeah. Well, it's
1: it's kind of problem solving, right? Like when you're staring at that blank page, especially when you're putting out for a blog or for some other content thing, you're solving the problem. You're, what do I need to put on this page? You're working through all these things and, and you're teaching yourself along that way. And, and I'm kind of curious with, you know, we talk about the show, it's called build your network, you know, Writing a lot of times is in isolation. You're spending that time with yourself on the page and and working Mm -hmm. on these things. Where do relationships come into play in that? And how important have relationships been within your own business?
2: So it's kind of interesting. I am, I hate sales. I hate empty conversations. So like when you go to a party and you meet somebody and you have to talk about the weather. Right. I just, I really hate that. At the same time, I run an investment firm that needs to have clients, right? And so, you know, and I turned my strength into, and at the same time, kind of, and my weakness, like basically I looked at my weakness that I hate sales and I don't, and really the another thing, I, I don't like doing things I don't like, which is some people can overcome doing things they don't right. like. I don't, I just, I, you know, so marketing became the most important marketing tool I have. Yeah. And it's just, and it's, I don't like I say, I hate the way it sounds because it's almost like I'm, I'm writing for marketing. I'm writing and it happens to do good for us yeah. with marketing perspective. So, but it's not, it's not a, I don't sit down and think, okay, how can I market today? That's like, if I, if I thought this way, I wouldn't be able to produce right. the content we do. So it just, it happens to work to our advantage. So, and that also has created a lot of opportunities for me because a lot of people read my content and wanted to connect with me. So, yeah. and then we had a common tissue manual, you know, to, you know, to talk about. Also, and this is kind of where the kind of age uh, I thought was important. I realized that relationships are probably some of the most important things I have. Just mm-hmm. in a lot of relationships, in the past, when I was younger, I could divide my investment friends from personal friends. Today, like most of my investment friends are my personal friends. So it, like yeah. it's kind of interesting. I talk to them on the phone, We may discuss the market or stock or whatever. And then we end up you know, talking about things that are completely unrelated to investing. And I think what happened over time, I, and probably this you know, happened subconsciously, my f- investment friends were we didn't have a cultural alignment or we didn't have a, some kind of common tissue that was just outside of investing, those relationships kind of just, you know, filled out. Yeah. And what's left was just basically my, you know, people that I really like. Sure. Because like, you know, as you get older, realize this is all finite, right? This is, you know, right. There's right. Exp- you know and so you might as well have a meaningful relationships. Right. And so relationships that are people who are really like, and this mm-hmm. is kind of, again, going back to doing things you like I, you know, and not doing things you don't like. So if somebody's a brilliant investor and they have a lot of great ideas that I could benefit from, but I don't just still like them as a human being. Yeah. You know, I'm probably not going to be, you know, mm. I won't be talking to them very much. What's
1: the biggest way, you know, I mean, obviously now you've got an established network of people that you've worked with a yeah. long time and, and, you know, it gets easier over time because you start building those long-term relationships, but, when you're meeting somebody for the first time, or if you're going into a networking event or into a business setting and you're you're basically auditing the people in the room saying, you know, is this somebody that I want to partner with? What's the number one thing that you're looking for kind of right off the bat?
2: So number one, I don't do that. So mm-hmm. I don't like, so the, the, the beauty of my position is that I don't have to go to, into the room and say, this is the person like, you know, I give you one story of Tim Ferriss. Like he was talking about how he was at a conference and he saw this guy who was very well built, had a like long neck. And he realized, this guy is probably a fighter. And Tim Ferris, you know, trained the jiu-jitsu, I forget what it was. And he approached him and he started talking about topic they had in common, which was, you know, uh, martial arts. So I don't do this uh, mm-hmm. because I don't have, an like, I rarely have an agenda that when I go into the room that I want to get something out of it. In fact, I'll, I'll do the opposite. And this is uh, at my firm, I don't manage money for anybody who is like my clo- my friend or who is in my social circles. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the opposite. And the reason I don't do this, is because when you invest in a stock market, you can be making all the right decisions and the market just doesn't care. So there will be times where you feel like complete moron, you know, for a long period of time. No. And I find that I need this oasis where like I, when I leave work, I can go with my friends to have a beer and not think about the market. If I manage their money now, I have to also be thinking about their portfolios as well. So, right. so I kind of do the opposite. Let me give you a different answer though. Like another answer. When I go with somebody to lunch somebody, I kind of think about what are the couple of things I want to learn from them today? Or you know, what couple you know, questions I want them to answer like, you know, and I, so I try to have a, I try to have something like to get something out of the meeting. So I learned something from them. Not that I want something from them to do something for me, but just like have a small agenda that mm-hmm. I, you know, uh, I learned something, you know, from this interaction. Well, before we move
1: into our last round here, I want to ask a question we ask everybody that comes on the show. And I'm curious to know your answer. Do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important and why?
2: But depending for what? I mean, it's, it's, it's a very ambiguous question, right? Depending mm. for what, right? Like, I cannot tell you how many times what I know, which was expressed through my articles, opened to me a lot of doors. Mm. Okay. Because that's when somebody reads my article... And they see that I'm a person of, again, hey, oh, I hate talking about myself. So this is, <laughs> but like, I'm a person of depth, Right. then it opens a lot of doors for me. And then at that point, like that creates who, you know, but again, I, I'm like, some people are social butterflies. I'm not, I'm just, mm, no. that's, I'm a, that's, so that's, that, that's why for me, I guess what, you know, creates who I know. And that's, I guess, how I operate. I I never thought about this way, but that's, yeah, that's, I guess that's my answer, I guess. Gotcha,
1: gotcha. Well, cool. No, thanks so much for for sharing that. And I'm going to go ahead and move us here into our random round here, just as we close out, just a couple of quick questions, some quick answers, and I get to know you a little bit better before we sign off. First of all, what profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt?
2: So this this is going to be an outrageous answer to your question. (laughs) So if I had a redo, and I was, let's say, 15 years old, I would probably would want it to be a, a conductor, a classical music conductor. Mm. So that's probably, if I if I was an investor,
1: that's what I'd be doing. If you could sit on a park bench with anybody past or present and talk with them for an hour, who would it be and why?
2: I think Marcus Aurelius. I, like, the more I learn about him, the more I admire him as a human being. I was like, you know, just the think about he was an emperor of rome and at the time rome basically controlled almost all europe and so you have a person that has this incredible basically unlimited power and he behaves he doesn't he never abuses that and at the same time he is a humble you know remains to be a humble you know a a humble human being who is always trying to learn and be self-aware and that probably would be one of the one of those people yeah i'd like to spend some time with yeah. How
1: do you like to learn best books, blogs, podcasts, videos? What's your, what's your favorite way to learn?
2: I think everything I'll give you a perfect example. So I wrote this article about called uh, about this book. Why we, why we, uh, why we sleep by uh, Matthew. And I forget his last name right now. If you go to my website, contrarianage.com and, and uh, type cra- my crash, it kind of, you know, I wrote this huge essay about this, but anyway, so I read the book but then i probably spent another 15 hours 20 hours listening to his interviews and i would argue i learned so much more than if i just you know read the book because right. what happens and this has happened you know as a, like i wrote a few books what happens is that after you write the book and you talk about it new new thoughts percolate yeah so i think i would I'd probably just by listening to by reading his book and then listening to his interviews I learned a lot more. Sometimes by the way I just skip the book completely and just go to the for the interviews. Yeah. And sometimes I go for the interviews and I read the book so it depends but I I absolutely love interviews by Jim Collins. Like he did a few mm-hmm. interviews with uh, Tim Ferriss and I would argue and if you go back and listen to I think they all together maybe 4 hours to those interviews a few times, you learn so much. It's, Mm. it's absolutely incredible. I mean, it's so Jim wrote a few books, but I think the insights that I got out of those interviews were so much greater Mm. than like, again, I don't want to diminish his books, but at this point in time, the insights were, I, from those interviews were more important to me than, uh, what I, you know, what I read from his books.
1: Right. Give me a glimpse of your morning routine.
2: So, yeah, so this is, it's going to depend on summer versus winter. And I'm explaining it, okay. So, the difference is how hot it is outside. So, let me explain why. So, because the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is I write. And Mm -hmm. I write for about two hours a day. However, if it's a summer that I try, then I go for a walk because it gets hotter during the day. So, I go for a walk maybe, like if I get up at five, I write until seven and then go for a walk until eight. On, mm. on 8 30. If it's winter, I usually get up, you know, get up about five o'clock and write, and then I come to work. And then I usually I go for a walk maybe at noon, or a lot of times what I do, I go for a walk, like when I have a uh, calls with prospects or clients or some friends, I go for two hour, you know, for two, one or two hour you know, walk in mm. the park. So that's probably the biggest difference in my routine. No, no, my, whenever I'm on the phone, I'm walking, doing laps around where I
1: live. It's it's always my go-to. What's your go-to pump up song?
2: I don't have this, but I I have my writing songs. I have this Uh uh, playlist on Spotify and uh, it depends, but a lot of, you know, I listen to classical music when I write. And uh, so I have this, like, uh, I have, we have this website, we have this website called myfavoriteclassical.com. And if you go there, there's a playlist of like I shared. I shared my playlist of the like if you don't know anything about classical music and you'd mm-hmm. like to learn, I create this playlist which is almost like a gateway drug to classical music. So in other words, it's it's it's, it's what you listen to is very accessible, you know, and that should cultivate your love for, you know kind of love for music, you know. So that's that's probably you know the that's you know, that playlist is probably what I listen to a lot. What, what was the website one more time for that? My favorite, classical.com. Gotcha. What is something that you're not very good at? Oh, my God. I'm not very good at multitasking. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other
0: like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to TravisChapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it.